And I was thinking, even I, I told Phil that after our, after our prayer meetings, I'm thinking about uh, Ray coming up and, and sharing with her funds, um, particularly the starting of an adoption fund. I told Phil, I said, I, I, think, I think I'll preach an adoption sermon next Sunday. And uh, I'm going to preach an adoption sermon this Sunday. Because um, I, I think it'll work out. I've done some thinking on this. I'll give you some history of that. As Ray has given us a history of our finances, our uh, let me just review our, our big picture here. And, and we're trying in some sense to model maybe what, what you all can do or should do as a family. Is that we're trying to take um, from what, we, what we, we take in, we're trying to give away 16% of what we give in. Um, we're gonna, we have designated in the past, we've designated, I remember, 5% towards missions. Uh, that's been up to 10%. This past year, it's 15% towards missions. Um, plus 1% for this adoption fund. And I would encourage you all, as you receive finances into your home, to just, just take right off the top and say, I'm just going to give that away. Whether that's giving to the church, whether that's giving to missionaries, whether that's giving to people. I mean, I, I don't care how you give. I just long for you to be a giving people. You can choose the percentages. Um, people often say, hey, we have to tithe. Um, People say, hey, that's 10%, and they feel like, oh, I've done my 10%, and now I'm done. Let me give you a little perspective of that. The tithe in the Old Testament was really more something like 23.5%. 10% twice, and then 10% once every three years. So if you say, I'm going to tithe, I would say, okay, give 23% of your income away right off the top. Also, one of the things you need to realize is that that we're not bound in any way under the law to give. There, there's no percentage that we have to give. Um, and I think there's a reason for that, because the Gospel works in a different way than the law does. The, the law would say, okay, here's your standard, and let's meet that standard, and then we all feel pretty good. But the way that the Gospel works nowadays is that, is that God saves us by His grace. We, we are all His, and we ought to give to Him from our overflow of what, of what we can. I remember hearing a statistic of something like this, is that um, the average American today, whatever, gives maybe 1.5% of their income to the church. And Phil, you deal with financials, and so oftentimes you get to see people's tax returns, what they've given, and things like that. I was, is that that's got to be pretty accurate. That might be high. Um, this, this is not quite right, but something like this happened. In the time of the Depression, you know, when, when there was no work around at all, when people were you know, saving little scraps of aluminum or saving tires or saving whatever they could, during the time of the Depression, when uh, my dad grew up and uh, they just did without, they gave 3% of their income to the church. I think that was actually average Americans gave 3% of their income away. So you just think about the implication of that. That means today, and this was, you know, I heard this statistic about five years ago before things crashed. That means today that, that we in the American church give a whopping 1.5% when the average of all Americans during the Depression gave 3%. That ought to just maybe pierce your heart a little bit just to say that something's dreadfully wrong, that we who profess a faith in Christ, that Christ has saved us from our sins, and, and, and we are all His, 
that we would not be givers. Now, I know some of you are in financial situations where it's more difficult to give. God knows all of that. All right? But I would say that we need to be people who, as we have received grace from God, we need to have open hands so as to freely give that and share that with others. Do you realize that, that as God gives to you and as God blesses you, He gives to you so that you can give to others? So I just want to start with that and just say we as a church are setting aside 16% of money just to give away, just to use um, for missions beyond ourselves. We can't, we've designated that money. Even if we get in financial tights, we can't dip into that money to say, hey, we're going to use that money uh, on the church. We are going to give that away. Uh, 16% is what we're going to do. Also, we are saving 10% for growth. That's how we were able to purchase a building. Is it just saving 10% of our income for a while? And then some special designations coming in and then some over and above sorts of things. But I would encourage you to give from the top and then to save for times when you don't have a job, for times when a catastrophe comes, or times when you're looking towards purchasing something else that you want. You're actually paying yourself in advance. Um, Phil, you call it financially, you should pay yourself first or something like that. I, I don't know. But uh, you just, 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 get, just pay yourself future-wise by saving money. So for the rainy, when the rainy day comes and you need some finances to do that. And then live on the rest. And so for us, in our case, we're looking to live at Rock Valley Bible Church on 74% of the income of what we're receiving as a church. I would also say this, is that my aim, uh, our aim as, as elders, Darren and, and Phil... Um, communicate this to Ray. I'm sure he's there as well. He sees the bottom line, so he's writing the checks, so it's a little harder for him. But, but for us, our, my, our, I would love to see Rock Valley Bible Church in the future give half of our income away. I, I just want to give half to missions and just, just see God do that. And I think because we live in wealthy America, and we might say, ah, we're poor. But I would guess... Again, I don't have statistics. If I had prepared this message, I could have had statistics for you. Something like, you know, if, if you make $20,000 a year or more, you are the top 90% wealthiest people in the world. Something like that. And so why can't we as America, being wealthy who we are, be a blessing to the world to, to get monies out to use for the gospel of Christ? Um, Miko just told me, I don't want to... I don't want to embarrass you, Miko, but Miko just got a job. <clears throat> um, let's see, where, where are we? I'm kind of lost. Right, right over here, Walter Lawson Children's Home, where all the Filipinos are working. Kim, you're working there too? Yeah, and uh, um, Vicky is working there, and Lena is working there. And so everybody is working over there. Miko, I saw on Facebook, he just said, hey, I got my first paycheck yesterday. When did you get it? Friday. He got his first paycheck. And um, I, I know he said that his next paycheck is going to go towards just helping establish you all as a family here, and it's a, it's a good thing. He asked his mom, he said, can I, can I use this myself? And uh, she said, yes, right? And so I asked you today what you're using it for, and um, he said, uh, I don't know totally what's going on, but he said some to buy some guitar parts and some to send back to the Philippines, back home, to help them whatever, purchase guitars or what, what, are you, what are you helping with that? What are you helping with that? Okay. For his cousin to use a guitar in worship at church. 
First paycheck, he's given away. I just say that's a great model, Miko. We're super encouraged by that. I know of um, uh, a, a friend from Nepal, who some of you may know. Um, he, he's from Nepal. He's come here to the United States. He's got a doctorate, and and um, he has studied mathematics. And as he studied, he he was on a, a um, I don't know what you call it, a TA assistantship, where he was basically being paid just a little bit, kind of a stipend to be a, uh, to be a teacher in the school, and then also just barely barely to live on. I remember we did that for a year, and it was very difficult for us to live on that for a year married. He's a single guy and lived very frugally, and what he did with his income, as little as it was, is he supported a pastor over in Nepal and supported his family significantly over in Nepal as well. Just because he's over here trying to survive, but he's given much of his money back there back home. Now, there's nothing that's very spiritual about that because Nepal's biggest source of income is expatriates abroad bringing money back in. All right? So that's what all Nepalis do. It's what lots of people do from foreign lands. It's what lots of people do like from the Philippines. They, they do that. But think about what this guy's doing. Supporting his family, supporting a pastor because he knows them and just helping them on a TA, scholar, a TA salary. I don't know. And now he's teaching, I think, up in Janesville maybe. And I don't know what he's doing financially, but I just know that he's living frugally here so as to use his money um, abroad. Uh, I've heard testimonies before of uh, people, uh, particularly singles, before they get married, before they're bound with a lot of financial responsibilities, giving half their income away just because they can live on less. They can, they can live at this level and can give half of it away. Now, you get married, whatever, they're not working anymore, or, or they are, or they've got a family, that, that's going to reduce. But it just expresses a heart that I hope that we can have at Rock Valley Bible Church that we're just known for being a, a giving church. So we might give away to other, other things. And that might be here in the city. That might be foreign abroad. That might be sending people out. I'm not sure what it is. But I just want to see that missions number just increase and increase and increase and increase. Now, this year... Um, we are starting something. It's called an adoption fund, where we uh, we're going to take one percent of our income and devote it to the cause of adoption. Um, and the idea of that is that we don't know who that is going to get that money, but the idea is that we're just saving and storing this money up with a vision that we can decide then who would be appropriate to get that money. Preferably people here in the church, but it might be someone outside the church if no adoptions are happening here. But we just want to fan the flame of adoptions, which is really, in some sense, missions at home. I think about the kids club. And that, boy, if you want to go on a missions trip, come to kids club. We've got missions just right next door. And uh, these kids are, are being changed and being transformed I share in the weekly word oftentimes stories are such an encouragement to me. Um, let me just tell you one story. You can pray for, for him. This guy's name is Jack. He's never been before. But every day he walks, he walks from school. Uh, he walks with Addison and Harmony and, and Desiree and comes to their house, kind of drops them off, and then he walks across our field every day, every time we have kids club. And, and every time we're there and we see him coming across, I always open the door and say, Jack! Jack, you want to come? And uh, he's told Addison before 
that I'm not a Christian, so I can't come. So Addison's tried to, tried to work on him and things like that. And I think it was just this past Thursday, I said, Jack, why don't you come? He said, I'm going to go home and ask my mom. That's like a, that's like a step up. Um, so you can pray for Jack, pray for Jack's mom. He thinks he can't come because he's not a Christian. But I just know if he gets here, we've got a lot of fun. We enjoy a lot of things and these kids are learning a ton of stuff. But there's a huge mission field even right here. And by the way, when Yvonne and I are in Nepal, we've got a big need, a couple weeks, like three weeks to fill of our meetings. So if you have a heart for that, once you start coming a little bit to that, we just need, we need help because we can't do it. And it'll be good so that it's not all, all on us and we can get that done. But that is, that is missions just in the most closest level of everything that we can. Okay, today, so what I want to do is I want to give a perspective of adoption. Why would we have an adoption fund? Well, a, a lot of reasons why we'd have an adoption fund is because adoption is missions. Um, I know I've talked with the Browns. There's no, no uh, secret here that they are seeking to adopt a second child. And, um, you know, some of the things we talk about is, a, is adoption is, is missions to somebody. And, and they thought about adopting financial resources are an issue. Um, and so even because of that, they're even thinking about going to uh, foster care with maybe a hope that you can adopt through that, which funds are not a problem for that. Um, it's even free. They even pay you. So that's, that's like the other side of the, the venture. And here's, I remember Ryan was talking about that in our weekly meeting. I said that um, we, uh, that is true mission, right? Because those children that are being given up for adoption just in general, uh, are, there's such a big waiting list and they're going to get adopted anyway. But it's the kids who are in the foster care system who may not get adopted who may spend their time to grow up in the adoption, in the, the foster homes, the foster um, system. And to adopt a child out of that is truly missions to a family to help change a child forever. Does that make sense? The one child, they'll, they'll get placed in a solid, secure home because financially you need to be able to do that. But, but a child that is, that is in a difficult circumstance from foster home to foster home, if you can find a landing place for that child, you will change him immensely. Um, our, my, um, my brother-in-law and sister, who you've met before, Sally and Ken Woodhouse, they have uh, been involved, engaged in safe families, and um, through there have a child uh, who actually spent a couple days at our house and uh, was really struck. That so, so they've had her now maybe, what, three years? From times three and a half, now she's six and a half. And it was just really struck. She, um, her story is something like she's the sixth or seventh child from five or six different men. Just a awful, awful, awful things. But now she's been in their home for three for three years. And I, I was I was really struck that when we were putting her to bed the other night, she said, "Oh, we're we gonna pray and we read the Bible." She's just so excited about spiritual things because she's around that. My brother-in-law's sister's home, where she wasn't there, she would not be around that at all. And I just think that this missions, this, this money for adoption is sort of missions. We didn't want to put it there though, but we're, we're tagging it there. That's money that we're just going to give towards helping kids come into families to change their lives immensely. I want to talk about why would we have an adoption fund? Well, some of that is, I think, to help teach us what adoption is. Um, I want to read a quote for you from J.I. Packer. 
You want to catch this and then we'll go into the Scripture as we finish this. But Jay Packer writes this, What is a Christian? The question can be answered in many different ways, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as Father. A Christian is one who has God as Father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child. And having God as His Father, if this is not the thought that prompts and controls His worship and prayers and His whole outlook on life, it means that He does not understand Christianity very well at all. So in other words, if a person, a professing Christian, doesn't look at God as His Father, His ultimate Father, His, His heavenly Father, he's not understood Christianity. Packer goes on to write, and here's the sentence that, that I wanted to catch. Adoption is the highest privilege that the Gospel offers. Higher even than justification. To be right with God, the judge, is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is a greater thing. He calls adoption the highest privilege the Gospel offers. Now, he speaks about it. It's maybe not the highest blessing. The highest blessing is the fact that we stand forgiven before God. That's the highest blessing. Because our sins had a, had a huge debt, and before God we were, we were impossible to pay that debt, but God has justified us. He's looked upon us and, and, and called us righteous through faith in His Son. That's probably the biggest blessing. But the highest privilege is that then we are considered as God's Son. We are adopted into His family. As we have an, adopt, an adoption fund, I hope that we just see of, of really what that means from us and what, was it, what that means of, of our Christianity. Because all of us who believe in Christ this morning, we are adopted into the family of God. I want to show you some implications of that. This word, and I want to just take off this word Abba. Abba, Father, is used three times in Scripture. Okay. First time it's used in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Why don't you turn over there. Mark chapter 14, verse 36. It's the first time the word Abba. You guys, kids know what Abba means? What does it mean, Jared? Father. In fact, there's probably a better. There's, there's a word that's Father, and that word is Pater in the Greek. Abba doesn't necessarily mean... What does Abba mean? It means Daddy. It means Daddy. Exactly, David. So it's a term of endearment. It's a term of closeness. It's what the Hebrew children always call their dad. They call him Abba. And that's what Jesus did here in Acts 14, verse 36. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's talking about a soul is deeply grieved unto death. Verse 35, He went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray if it were possible the hour might pass him by. And He was saying, Daddy! Father! All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. He, Jesus called God the Father His Daddy. Just a term of love and endearment. That's the highest privilege we have as a, as a, in the Gospel. Is, is to be able to come to God and to call Him our Daddy. 
And the reality is that this is the relationship that Jesus had with God and this is the relationship that we have with God as well. Turn over to Galatians 4, verse 5. This is the second time in which the word Abba is used. Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. And really the best place to start is in verse 4. But when the fullness of time came, that is when it was all set and all ready to go, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, And here's why Jesus came. This is why Christmas existed. So that, verse 5, He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons, so He might redeem us, justify us, bring us back to His heavenly kingdom, and then bring us into adoption as sons. We who are not gods by birth, we were by birth children of wrath. He brought us in to be His sons by adoption. And because you are sons, here's the implication of it, God has sent forth His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. God sends the Spirit of Jesus, the same Spirit that said, Daddy, into our hearts so that we likewise can say, Daddy, and cry out to God, S, a son. The privilege we have of coming into God's presence as a son. Therefore, verse 7, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. It is interesting here how Paul then connects this fact that he is our Abba Father with the fact that we are an heir. We, we get what, what God has to give to us as, as if we are a child of God. All right? Hold that fact because that's going to be there again. Turn... Turn back to Romans chapter, 5, chapter 8. This is the third place where the word Abba is used. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. And then I'll, I'll try to illustrate this and bring this um, to a close. It says, verse 15, You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So in other words, it's God working on us, giving us this Spirit which, turns, which, which stirs our hearts so as to, to call God our Daddy. You know that that's a supernatural work. And if you listen to people pray, if you listen to people refer to God, if they're referring to Him as their Daddy, it's because the Spirit has been working in there and in them. And then verse 16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. 1 John 3.1, Behold, what manner of love has been bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. I mean, this ought to blow you away that we are a child of God. And here's what I'll blow you away. Verse 17, And if we are children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if we suffer with Him, so that we also may be glorified with Him. In other words, the, the suffering is part and parcel to being a Christian. To being a, a son of God is to, to suffer now, but it's the glory that comes later. You see that theme coming out there. But, but it's the fact that we are a son of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We are an heir. We receive this inheritance. In fact, not only do we receive an inheritance, our, our inheritance is right with Jesus. When a parent gives inheritance to their children, they normally split it up. 
you have two children, you give half to one child and half to another child. If you have three children, it's, it's a third and a third and a third. We, in other words, all the children are on equal ground. And when it comes to the inheritance we have with Jesus, we inherit equally what Jesus inherits. Does it blow you away? I'm thinking right now, I think it's the end of uh, Laodicea. I'm working on memorizing some of Revelation. It, it says, Revelation 3.21, To him overcomes, I will grant to him authority to sit on my throne. Sit with me on my throne, Jesus says. As I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is that the one who overcomes will sit and reign with me. It kind of blows you away. It's like, how are we to sit with Jesus in any way His equal? And we're not, but yet the Bible speaks that we are. And here, our inheritance is equal with that of Jesus. So I want to be as reverent as I can, but that song, um, As the deer pants for the water, You're my friend and you are my brother even though you are a king. He is the king, but He is our friend and we are brothers with Jesus. Inheriting everything that Jesus inherits. What does he inherit? He inherits the universe. He inherits everything. And we, as children, adopted into the family. We're not natural born. We are adopted into God's family. We are fellow heirs with Jesus. I want to illustrate this story by, by thinking about... Let's see if I can find it here. By... Um, by thinking about the story of the little orphan Annie. The Broadway musical, you know it, right? Probably can sing some songs, wear some songs for little orphan Annie. The sun will come out tomorrow, bet your bottom dollar. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? One of the best songs that they, they sing right at, right at the climax. Uh, remember where, where Annie was, right? She was the, the little orphan and, and she lived under the... Uh, uh, she lived in this home where there was this, this lady. What was the lady's name again? Miss Hannigan. And she was really nice, right kids? No, she was mean and oppressed and dirty and grungy and in an awful situation. And then she goes to be with who? Daddy Warbucks. And Daddy Warbucks has got the phone to FDR, right? And, and Daddy Warbucks has more money than he knows how to do with. And so he's go, she's going from, from slavery from poverty, from nothing, to be with Daddy Warbucks, rich, having everything. Now, there, there's some trials and difficulties, and it wasn't exactly all the way that she was going to get there. There's some, some, some threats there about whether she would get there at last. But finally, Annie is adopted into the family. And you remember the chorus? Together at last, together forever, we're tying a knot that never can sever. Just Annie and Daddy Warbucks, they got this knot, they're adopted, they never can sever up. Annie says, I'm poor as a mouse. And Daddy Warbucks says, what? I'm richer than Midas. And then they sing together, but nothing on earth could ever divide us. I don't need anything but you. That is our story. We are Orphan Annie. Who, who have been slaved and, and dirty and filthy and without hope. Well, Annie's got some hope tomorrow, but she's one of the few that has hope. But we're then brought into God's kingdom to be richer than you could ever 
imagine. And it's all been done by adoption. It is a, a rags-to-riches story. We are, we are like Cinderella. right? I mean, you, you know what I'm, what I'm talking about. Cinderella, the, the, the one who is scorned by the stepsisters and then she meets Prince Charming and then becomes a queen. Well, that's, that's our story. We have gone from rags to riches. Let's look at one other place where the word adoption is used. Ephesians chapter 1. This will be the last place we, we go and then we'll be done. I just want to give you even another perspective of this adoption is that it's not something that God just thought up. He, um, he planned our adoption first. Earthly adoption is a picture of our heavenly adoption as Christians. It's a little bit like marriage. Is that it wasn't marriage first and then God says, hmm... Oh, that's a good illustration. Let me illustrate Christ in the church and how that works. No, it was Christ in the church first. He said, hmm, how can I illustrate the the love that Jesus has for His bride? Let's make marriage. And and so likewise, what what, what God has done first has has adopted us as children. And He said, hmm, how can I illustrate that earthly-wise? I know. I'll, I'll make this thing where people are born into the world from different parents and they are brought into another family. That will help people to understand what adoption is, that we are outside of God's kingdom and then we come inside His kingdom to be part of the family of God. And this happened from long ago. Ephesians 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. God is to be praised, verse 3, because in love, verse 4, He chose us, He elected us from before the foundation of the world. Is that God had this plan. He, he knew that before we'd done anything good or bad, before we even existed, He loved us in Jesus and predestined that then we should become one of His sons through adoption. Now, the only way you're saved is through grace. It doesn't have anything to do with us. It has all, all to do with God who chose us before the foundation of the world. And that's the only way that grace can be grace. And that's where it all ends. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace. You know, little orphan Annie can't, doesn't, doesn't have anything to um, brag about before Daddy Warbucks. Nothing. It, it was just Daddy Warbucks who brought her up. Chose her out of the orphanage. And she comes up to be with Him. And so likewise with us. We have nothing. We have no standing to boast before God. God in His grace has brought us and adopted us to be His child. And I just hope as we think about the adoption fund going forward and as we think about everything that that means and we give towards that want to promote that here at Rock Valley Bible Church, uh, may that just help us as a picture to realize what God has done for us as His children. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the grace to preach these things. I would pray that You'd use this message in the hearts of people. God, to stir afresh a, a love, a thought about what it means that we are, are believers in Christ. It means that we've been adopted into Your family. 
And I would pray, O oh Lord, that we would see over the years many adoptions at Rock Valley Bible Church, many pictures of our salvation in Jesus. God, this fund might, might be used for Your glory to, to have the local missions. Um, God, missions where we bring people from foreign lands or from, from foreign households into our family at Rock Valley Bible Church that we might rejoice with them. So we, we pray, O oh Lord, that You would use this fund as we're communicating and establishing of this today for the glory of Your Son. I pray for each of us to realize the high privilege that we have that in Jesus we are adopted sons and daughters. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.